Section 17 of The Haunted Organist of Hurley Burley and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Fatima da Silva. The Haunted Organist of Hurley Burley and Other Stories by Rosa Mulholland. The Fit of Elsie's Shoe, Chapter 2 It was only a few evenings after this that Elsie was sitting on the end of the kitchen table reading the newspaper to her father. Na, na, said Elsie, stumbling at a word. Vi, vi, ga, ga. Och, my blessing to the word, I can't make head or tail of it. You'll read it better yourself, father, and it's time I was going feeding my hens anyhow. Elsie, said Jamie, rubbing his spectacles, I'm feared you're turning out a bad dark after all the trouble Mr. Devnish has taken with you. You're getting a big woman, Elsie, and there's not a thing you're bad at but the clerking. Go off to school now this very evening and give my respects to Huey Devnish, and tell him to teach you how to spell navigation afore you come back. Elsie coloured, and her thick black lashes rested on her russet cheeks while she tucked up her gown and kneaded the wet meal for the hens with her gypsy hands. But as she left the house, she looked back with a wicked little toss of her head, then you and Huey Divnish may put it out of your heads that you'll ever make a dark o Elsie, she said. For if ye were to boil down all the learning books that ever cracked a schoolmaster's skull and feed her on nothing but that for the next ten years, ye wouldn't have her one bit the larnder in the hinder end. So saying, she stepped out into the sun and was busy feeding her hens under the shelter of the golden haycock when she saw a servant in a showy livery coming riding up the lonan can you tell me where miss mcquillan lives about here my good girl he asked with a supercilious glance at elsie's wooden dish no said elsie looking at him with her head thrown back that's jamie mcquillan's house pointing to the gable and i'm his daughter elsie but there's no Miss McQuillan here, none nearer by this road, nor barley scuffling. I beg your pardon, miss, said the man with an altered manner, but I believe this must be for you. And then he rode off, leaving her standing staring at a dainty pink note which she held by one corner between two mealy fingers. Miss Elsie McQuillan, said the ink, on the back of the narrow satin envelope, that's me said elsie with a gasp the rest of em's all lizabeth's and isabella's and araminty's and as true as i'm a living girl it's the castle craigie liveries yon fine fellow was dressed up so grand in and here's the castle craigie crest on this purty little seal it was a note of invitation to lady betty's ball and in spite of her bad clerking elsie was able to read it 
spelling it out word after word, turning it back and forward and upside down and feeling sure all the time that somebody had played a trick on her by writing to Lady Betty in her name. She sat on a stone and made her reflections, with the sun all the while burning her cheeks and making them more and more unfit to appear in the ballroom. And she thinks I'm some fine young lady in a low neck and satin shoes, waiting all ready to step into her ballroom and make her a curtsy. Good luck to her. What's she say if she heard Elsie's brogues hammering away on yon fine slippy floor of hers? And Elsie, as she spoke, extended one little rough-shod foot and looked at it critically. Then thank you, Lady Betty, but I'm not going to make myself a laughing stock for the country yet. Who came riding up the lonen a bit ago, Elsie, said the mother, when she went in with the note safely hidden in her pocket. Riding up the lonen, is it, said Elsie. Aye, aye, said Mary. I thought I heard a horse's foot on the road, but it be to be your father snoring. Me snoring, cried Jamie, starting and rubbing his eyes. Ye are dreaming yourself, Mary. Elsie, ye witch, are ye not gone to school yet? Well, I'll go now, father, said Elsie. Maybe, she thought, Huey'll tell me what to do with that letter afore I come back. A thatched house with a row of small latticed windows blinking down at the sea in the strong sunset with a grotesque thorn looking over the more distant gable and an army of fierce hollyhocks mustering about the little entry door. This was the school and Mr. Hugh Devnish was at this moment standing at his desk writing headlines in the copybooks of his pupils. A young man with a grave busy face and one hand concealed in the breast of his coat that hand was deformed and so hugh devnish had been brought up to teach school instead of to follow the plough that such breeding had not been wasted his face announced even the country people around held him in unusual respect though he did not give them half as many long words nor talk latin to them like his predecessor larry o'mullen who had died of hard study poor boy at the age of eighty-five hughie glanced through the window before him got suddenly red in the face and cried attention in a voice which made all the lads and lasses look up from their copybooks the next moment a gypsy-faced girl walked in hung up her bonnet and sat down on a form what's your word elsie McQuillan asked the schoolmaster, taking her book with a severe and business-like air. Invitation, sir. Navigation, I mean, said Elsie, demurely, studying her folded hands. The master looked at her sharply, and afterwards frowned severely when, on going the rounds of the desks, he found Lady Betty McQuillan, Castle Craigie, and other foolish and meaningless words scrawled profanely over the page which was to have been sacred to navigation alone. Elsie was kept in for bad conduct and locked up alone in the school after the other pupils had gone home. And there, when the schoolmaster came to release her, 
she was found plucking the roses that hung in at the window and sticking them in the holes for the ink bottles along the desks a crumpled note lay open before her we should hardly have said the schoolmaster came in for though it was hughie devonish he appeared in a new character this punished girl was his wildest and least creditable pupil and yet when he walked up to her in her disgrace he was trembling and blushing like his own youngest scholar coming up for a whipping his eye caught the crumpled note and he picked it up and read it i guessed how twas he said but you're surely not thinking of going now elsie had intended to ask his advice but the mischief that was in her would come out why should i not go as well as another she asked pettishly arun you know i would not like it he said and that's a reason faith said elsie tossing her head and beginning to pick a rose to pieces elsie said the young man vehemently it was only the other day you told me here that you could like me better than all the world better than ned mucklehern for all his fine land and his presence of butter and crame better than mahaffey the miller that gave you the fine speckled hen better than mcquillan of the reek bad manners to him struck in elsie angrily flinging a shower of rose leaves from her hand over the desks you promised to be my wife elsie it all come a keeping me in for bad conduct said elsie swinging one foot with provoking unconcern no matter what it came of said hughie you promised me and you promised me as well that you wouldn't go thrusting yourself among these people that would only laugh at you for your pains i don't know why you should think i'd be laughed at said elsie barring you're ashamed of me the schoolmaster's face blazed up and with all his heart in his eyes he gazed at her where she sat with her ripe face half turned from the sun coming through the lattice and her dark head framed in the roses ashamed of you mavourine he said tenderly no but there might be some there that i wouldn't like you to come across and you alone and unprotected mcquillan of the reek i slapped his face once cried elsie firing up again and it's not likely he'll come asking me to do it again and there'll be others there he went on that'll fall in love with you maybe and snatch you up from hughie before he has enough earned to marry you out of hand and what if they did said elsie with wicked coolness what if they did repeated devonish slowly looking at her with a pained appealing look as if expecting her to retract the cruel words i tell you what it is elsie he broke out passionately drawing his left hand from its concealment i believe it's this that's working at the bottom of all your coldness you're tired already of a deformed lover go to lady betty's ball then and find a husband for yourself that you'll not be ashamed of go just as elsie was getting pale and the tears were coming into her eyes a little door opened and a good-humoured-looking countrywoman came into the schoolroom come in to your supper hughie she said Och, 
Is it Elsie McQuillan in penance the night again? Girl alive, is it a love letter you're showing the master? No, indeed, Mrs. Devonish, said Elsie, erecting her head. It's a note of invitation from Lady Betty McQuillan, asking me to do her the honour of dancing at her ball at Castle Craigie on Wednesday, come eight days. Oh, then, then, but you're the lucky girl, cried the widow Devonish, clapping her hands over the note, while Hughie stalked away silently to a window by himself. I declare it's as grand and as beautiful as if it was written to the Queen. As Thor! And has your mother any sense left at all, with the dint of the joy? She didn't see it yet, stammered Elsie, seeing now the scrape into which she had got herself through, yielding to her reckless whim of tormenting her lover. I got it just as I left home, and she didn't see it yet. And you're standing up there as if nothing had happened to you, you ungrateful Colleen, said the widow Devnish, pocketing the note. Wait a minute, then, till I get the cloak, and it's meself I'll go home with you and help to tell the news. End of section 17